Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to another edition of the Sideline Junkies. It's me, it's me, it's the big guy KG. Coming through mm, with just a take on some things that happened this week. You know, we, we talked uh, Sunday and, you know, we were supposed to come back and break down playoff games and talk about Black Monday and things like that. But schedule conflicts and things coming up, I haven't been able to do it. So here on Friday, nice, cool Friday, you know, we going to enjoy this day for what it is. I'm on my way to work to the big job. Uh, going to just run down some thoughts. I mean, first and foremost, we got two games tomorrow, and that's the Bills and the Patriots in Buffalo. That's tomorrow night, and then the afternoon game, the early game, is the Raiders at the Bengals. Now, looking at this game, Raiders, Bengals, looking at this game, I'm like, all right. The Raiders almost put the Steelers out. You know, we that was an epic game Sunday night. And I really think that coach uh, for the for the charge, I can't think of his name right now. He needs a swift kick in his ass because they was going to take the knee and take the tie. Everybody goes to the playoffs. But it didn't happen like that. And next thing you know, hey, Raiders in the playoffs, Chargers at home on the sofa. So, uh, my picks for that playoff game, for the first playoff game, I'm going to go ahead and take the Bengals because Joe Burrow... I think he is the next big quarterback. Him and Herbert are going to be absolutely amazing in their career. And it's going to be like, I'm not going to say Brady Manning, but it's going to be a pretty good rivalry when them two meet up in the playoffs. They, those are two good quarterbacks. Uh, maybe Derek Carr can find the form that he had a couple years ago before the injury when, you know, the Raiders were rolling. They were rolling, and he got injured, and all of a sudden they haven't been the same since. So, but I'm going to go with the Bengals in this one. Uh, Just a hunch. I'll say Bengals 31-24. Uh, late game, BJ's Buffalo Bills hosting AFC East rival uh, New England Patriots Josh Allen versus Mac Jones Bill Belichick versus Sean McDermott This ain't You know the dominant New England Patriots This is a retooled Version of the Patriots And they, they are pretty good They are pretty good And now I'm going to put everybody's fears to rest Especially the boss BJ. And I'm going to say that Buffalo's going to start out slow. They'll pull this game out, but they're going to start out slow. Defense is going to keep them in it. And you can go ahead and give Buffalo the victory. Uh, 21-17. It's going to be about 11 degrees. So it's going to be cold as all outdoors. Because they will be outdoors. So, Buffalo, 21-17. On to the divisional round. 
And, you know, you're going to see a better Buffalo squad than what you've been seeing the last couple of weeks. So, that's just my picks on those. Now, a couple things that I wanted to get off my chest. Uh, we had Black Monday on Monday. You know, Black Monday, day after the season ends, that's when a lot of coaches get fired. And, you know, Matt Nagy got fired. We knew Matt Nagy was going to get fired two years ago. You know, we knew he was going to get fired. Uh, Zimmer, we talked about that Sunday. Uh, Zimmer being fired or stepping down or what have you. So we talked about that. We knew that was coming. The surprise that happened, and it's two surprises that happened this week. The head coach of the Texans, Cully, and the head coach of the Dolphins, Flores. Now, here's the interesting dynamic of their firing. It's only one black head coach right now in the NFL, and that's Mike Tom. Now, the Houston Texans head coach, Cully, he dealt, you know, Bill O'Brien trashed that team. The Texans were a playoff team. They were a piece or two away from, uh, you know, possibly getting over the hump. You know, you had Deshaun Watson, who didn't play at all this season. You had DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, you needed a running back. You know, that, that was going to come along. Um, you had J.J. Uh, 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 Watt on the defensive side. You know, you had guys, you had pieces that worked really, really well. J.J. Watt just couldn't stay healthy. J.J. Watt is a force if he stays healthy. That was his problem. He couldn't stay healthy. So, you know, you got this. Bill O'Brien comes in. He butts heads with uh, DeAndre Hopkins over him having kids, you know, uh, it wasn't even baby mama drama. It's just he didn't agree with him having kids with different women. That's his business. What he does on his free time is his business. And BJ said something the other day. He said it on Twitter. How is Bill O'Brien even considered for a head coaching job in this league after the shit show he put on in Houston? Yes, he destroyed Houston. How is he considered a head coaching candidate for anywhere? He might as well go ahead and stay at Alabama doing what the hell he's doing because him being in the NFL, he can't do shit. But that's not what this is for. He ruined that team. He traded away DeAndre Hopkins, which was pretty much the only one of the only uh, weapons that Deshaun Watson had. That was his biggest weapon. And you handcuffed the guy. Okay, Deshaun Watson had the... Um, sexual assault, assault allegations that seem to come out of nowhere once he requested a trade. And it's not Bill O'Brien's fault. It's just the Houston Texans as a, as a whole fault. You know, the way this was handled. And it just, it didn't seem right. They were trying to trade him, then they weren't trying to trade him. And then all of a sudden, nobody wanted to touch him because of the sexual assault allegations. Then all of a sudden, none of these things, none of these 
things were filed with police. I, I mean, it, it's just, it's, that is a true clusterfuck of epic proportions, okay? So, you're asking a head coach and a head coach to corral all of that and win in spite of not having your star quarterback. You know, you had uh, Terod Taylor. I think he got hurt. You don't have anything that you should have to win. And you're asking him to win without the major pieces that he needs to win. And then you fire him. Okay? Not making sense. Down in Miami, Brian Flores. Back-to-back winning seasons. Yes, missed the playoffs by one game each season. He was uh, 10 and 6. Was it 10 and 6 last season? 9 and 8 this season. Okay? They went 8 and 1 the last nine games. 8 and 1 the last nine games. Tua Tunga by a low. They found their quarterback of the future. Now, mind you, Miami hasn't had a solid starting quarterback since Dan Marino retired. They haven't had a guy. And I'm not saying Tua Tungavailoa is that, you know, heir apparent. He's that Dan Marino type. I'm not saying that. You know, he's an off-engine quarterback, but he's he's not as injured as he was when he first came into the league. Remember, he had the hip issue. We don't have that issue anymore. It's just nicks and bruises that a quarterback goes through. Okay? You have Jalen Waddle. You got a, a pretty good defense. You know, it's a lot going on down there that you're like, okay, all right, I, I see you, Miami. And then all of a sudden, Brian Flores is fired. And people are really justifying his fire. Oh, well, he had an attitude problem. He was a dick and he didn't get along with the younger players and this, that, and the other. He not there to make friends. He there to win ball games. And that's what he was doing. Well, he didn't relate to the younger guys. What you mean relate, bro? This is what we running. This is what we going to practice. Let's get out there. Let's get it right. Let's win some ball games. We trying to get to the playoffs. Now, you know Miami been in the dumps for a long time. You get to the point where you start moving and you moving the needle forward to the good side. And then all of a sudden, you go through a coaching change. It's not like he went 3-13, and 2-14 and this season. It's not like that, no. And any coach that takes over, you need at least five seasons to put your imprint on the team. Brian Flores had three. And they started to turn it around. And he got fired. That's a head scratcher. No excuse. Just like Jim Caldwell 
turning the, the lines around. The lines ain't been the same since. Jim Caldwell turned him down, turned him around, turned him into a 9-7 and team, and they fired him. They fired him in favor of Matt Patricia. Matt Patricia came in, did nothing. Now you have Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell's trying to clean up the mess that Matt Patricia made. Okay? These are the, 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 the processes that you're going to go through. And we talk about it all the time, and I'm not going to shy away from it. When it comes to black coaches, it doesn't matter what the sport is. A black coach is not allowed to fail, and that's what the great John Thompson said back in the 90s. A black coach is not allowed to fail. And it's the truth. A black coach can go 9-7 in the NFL, 9-8, can go 11 and 5, and they might have a, a, a they might start off with a 5 and 11 season, then have 11 and 5, 10 and 6, 9 and 7, and then maybe a 7 and 9, and then they wind up getting fired. Anthony Lynn out in LA with the Chargers. He finally gets a, a, a quarterback to replace Phillip Rivers, and boom. Gone. He's gone. Brian Flores got three years. Black coaches have the shortest leash. They want success immediately from black coaches. Look at Steve Wilkes. Steve Wilkes is out in Arizona. They drafted Josh Rosen, gave him the job. Josh Rosen was not very good out in Arizona. They get Kyler Murray. Steve Wilkes is out. Cliff Kingsbury is in. All of a sudden, Arizona is doing a damn thing. They're good. You know, they're in the playoffs. What are they, the number two seed? You know, think about that. Black coaches are not allowed to fail at all, especially early. You're not allowed to go through the growing pains and put your fingerprint on a team. And that's sad, that's unfair. And quite frankly, it has to change. Now most people probably listen to this and say, oh man, you're tripping. It's not true, but the proof is in the pudding. It's there. No way in four hells any black coach gets five years. Tomlin is the only exception to the rule, but he's had ten winning seasons in a row. He has a Super Bowl under his belt. Most black coaches don't get a chance to do that. Look at Tony Dungy in in, in, in Tampa Bay. Tony Dungy took over a also-ran team. Built the defense up. And to one of the, even when the Bucks wasn't the Bucks, he built the defense up. They had one of the best defenses in the league, but just didn't have any offense. Tony Tony Dungy is a defensive guy. He focused on defense all day long, and that was that that, that was his thing. That's what he did. You got white coaches do that. Hispanic coach. Everybody does that. You delegate the role of what you don't know to somebody else. 
but he didn't have the pieces on defense. Remember, they didn't have really good. They had Sean King as the quarterback. Uh, who, who was uh, Warwick Dunn was the was the running back for a little bit until he went. Uh, he, he got traded. Oh, he left and went to Atlanta. But they didn't have an offense. Then they get close in '99, and they get to the what was that? The NFC Championship game against the highly touted. St. Louis Rams at the time. And what did they lose? 10 to 6? Or something like that? Something to that fact. But it was a crazy score. But defense kept them in it, kept them uh kept St. Louis at bay. Then you go and you get Keyshawn and all of that. But then they find Tony Dungeon. John Gruden comes in. He's an offensive guy. Defense is already set. John Gruden comes in. And he takes them all the way to the Super Bowl. Wins the Super Bowl title. John Gruden's career is now referenced about him winning a championship with Tony Dungy's Bucks. Now, granted, John Gruden was a hell of a coordinator in Philly. He was a pretty damn good coach in uh, Oakland with the Raiders. When he came to Tampa Bay, he took Tony Dungy's team to the Super Bowl, just like Bill Callahan, even though Bill Callahan was on that staff, took his team to the Super Bowl. Here's my thing. Dungy never got a chance in Tampa Bay to right the ship. But he did get a chance when he went to Indianapolis and he won his championship. You know, Marvin Lewis is another one that's an exception to the rule because Cincinnati didn't want to pay anybody. So they was like, hell, we got Marvin. Let Marvin keep doing what he's doing. And they were contenders. But they were a player two away from playoff success. They were a player away you know they had Carson Palmer they had and I'm talking about the Bengals you know under Marvin Lewis they had Carson Palmer they had Chad Johnson they had TJ Hushmanzada they had Chris Henry you know they were good the year that they had the chance to beat Pittsburgh was the year that Carson Palmer tore his ACL it's always something freak with them understanding but it, it Marvin Lewis got years under uh, as, as the head coach and he didn't produce but that's because the Bengals doesn't want to pay anybody they took Marvin and they kept Marvin they said oh we're going to keep Marvin we good you know but these other coaches Dungy, Flores, Cully uh, shoot Wilkes over the last couple of years, a lot of coaches haven't got a chance. A lot of black coaches haven't got a chance to fail. I mean, damn, man. It's just a sad sight to me. And I'm calling a spade a spade. Something has to change. You can't. A coach is not going to get along with every player. 
a coach is not going to relate to every player. It don't matter what color you are. But that being a reason that you fire a coach that's had two back-to-back winning seasons record-wise is the most dumbest damn version, uh, 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 excuse that I've ever heard. Never not once. I got managers that I, I don't get along with, and I was their best worker. Did they get fired because I didn't get along with them? No. I made them look good with my with my work ethic and what I did. But I knew if I didn't get along with them and they didn't relate to me, I knew how to keep my head down and leave them the fuck alone. Do my job and go the fuck home. Do what I'm supposed to do. Go the fuck home. I don't give a shit about no manager, coach, position. I don't. You don't have to relate to me. Tell me what you need me to do and leave me the fuck alone. That's it. All that, well, he got to relate to me. I don't need to talk to you about personal shit. None of that. Now, coach is supposed to be a mentor. But everybody ain't good enough to mentor you sometimes. You know? I'm not going to, to everybody about my problems or whatever. If, you, if, a, if somebody's out of touch, they out of touch. That... Oh, he didn't relate to the players. He alienated the young players. He was, he liked the veterans better. Okay, George Allen liked veterans too. George Allen would trade away draft picks and young players so he can go get veterans. The future is now, was his motto. So if that was Brian Flores' thing, I don't see anything wrong with that. But you wanting him to be buddy-buddy and all of that, if the nigga speak to you, fuck it, he spoke to you. All that, you want him to be buddy-buddy? Man, I don't give a damn about none of that. We here to win ball games. He ain't here to be your friend. That's your boss. I don't give a damn about none of that. That man lost his job because he wouldn't speak to young players or he wouldn't treat them a certain way. Man, this got to be the most softest shit I've ever heard in my life, man. That dude won 19 games in two years. We got franchise that ain't won 19 games in five years. But you fucking mad about that. I don't give two shits about that. We could have sat down and had a conversation, had a team meeting. Meeting with the GM. Hey, Brian, you got to you know, I, the players are complaining about this. This is something that we got to talk about. You know, think about this, this, and this. Okay. You go to the players. Okay, we've discussed it. We're going to try to be more inclusive with the younger players and things like that. We're going to try to do better. A discussion. Now, I don't know if a discussion was ever had. But if a discussion wasn't had, a discussion should have been had. Even if a discussion was had, you give it time. You give it a little bit of time. But this right here, Brian Flores being fired in Miami, bullshit. Absolute, pure bullshit. Miami going to pay for that. Miami going to suffer for that. They're not going to win very many games over the next couple of years. They're going to be like Detroit. They're going to sink right back down to the bottom. I'm sorry. But 
that's my time, y'all. I'm, I'm not even going to keep going into it because I, I knew when I got that off my chest, I was going to go hard and jump out of character. So, I don't apologize for anything I said. I'm, 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 in, I'm, I'm in defense of coaches, you know, especially good coaches. Don't matter what color you are, but I noticed that black coaches get the short end of the stick a lot of times. And it's not fair. And if you're a part of the Sideline Junkies 24-7 uh, group on Facebook, it's, a, it's a, uh, a Twitter video in there where John Thompson talks about black coaches not being a, you know, given a chance to fail. It was an interview that he did in the 90s. And J.A. Adonde posted it back in 2020. And, you know, it, it resurfaced on Monday. So we had, to, we had to throw it out there because it's the absolute truth. Here we are 25, 30 years later, and we still talk about black coaches not getting a chance to fail and not being able to, not getting the same time frame to be successful as other coaches. So, y'all enjoy the rest of y'all Friday. Uh, be back in here, hopefully tomorrow night with the WrestleManiacs. But before that, the boss BJ is supposed to be up behind me and um, so ah, Y'all enjoy y'all Friday And be easy, be safe Everybody love everybody That's the motto I'm out